0: If you have data sets of people walking, it's mostly from airports, watching businessmen going on business trips. So it's a very certain demographic. And the problem is that that's ingrained and burned into the systems. And these systems that are created, there has to be more diversity in the background monitoring that. But because it's so expensive to create these data sets... There's not like a third party who's monitoring it or creating new data sets. So I think there needs to be a little more political regulation and needs to be initiatives
1: really taking care of that. Hi, Smite Community friends. In this episode of the Smite Community podcast, I have a really interesting conversation with Elizabeth LaRange. Elizabeth is the co-founder of Exolo, a Hamburg-based company that specializes in virtualizing people by creating AI-powered chatbot avatars. In this episode, Elizabeth starts by telling us about her background in law and startups, her passion for the planet, ethics and human rights, as well as her passion for our kids and the outdoors. Elizabeth then shares with us what a smart community means to her. We discuss how certain biases can affect data sets, and Elizabeth explains what synthetic data is. Elizabeth then tells us a bit about her company, Exolo and the work that they do and what inspired her to get into the AI space and shares with us some of the use cases where AI benefits society and can improve the community. We finish our chat discussing the emerging trends of synthetic media. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live work and play with smart communities the future starts today big data smart mobility emerging trends galore the smart community podcast is what you're looking for hello elizabeth how are you today good doing very well thank you zoe how are you I am fabulous. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. We've booked it in and yeah, I'm I'm excited to have it. So let's just jump straight in and can you tell us about your background and what you're passionate about?
0: Right. So currently I'm running an AI company together with my co-founder, Heiko Huberts. I studied law initially and founded several little companies here in Germany, one in the U.S., And uh, in 2020, right in the middle of COVID, we decided to set up uh, Oxolo, that's the name of the company. And
1: we just launched our first product called Vime. Awesome. So tell us what you're passionate about.
0: First and foremost, I'm passionate about our planet. (laughs) I'm also, because of my legal background, I'm very passionate about ethical situations and uh, fairness and human rights, so the entire political background is one or uh, political aspect of things is one of my passion. Then uh, I have three kids, so I'm pretty passionate about my kids, obviously. I'm passionate about being outside,
1: being in nature, working out, so that kind of thing. Love it, love it. Now, I'm really keen to dive into how you got into this space and all the things that you've been working on, how you came to be in an AI company and, you know, launching in the pandemic as well, which is always fun, I'm sure. But let's go broad first. And can you tell us what a smart community means to you? A smart community means a community where,
0: to me, would mean a sharing community sort of where people can work together in a smart kind of way where things are interlinked, where there are technological solutions for problems inside a community sort of where I personally believe that all humans are interlinked anyways. So I think the community approach should be that everybody is involved, nobody's left behind, everybody's taken care of, and people take really care of each other uh, from all different kinds of perspectives. So from a tech point of view, from a social point of view, from a political point of view, I think you need to tackle sort of the community uh, idea yeah, from all different kinds of angles.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, bringing it, you know, there's all these different prongs within our communities, right? And I also, a smart community to me is bringing those things together. It's not just about having tech and data, but actually, how do all those things kind of connect and interconnect? Um, Like you were saying, you know, all humans are interconnected. But a smart community is like bringing those things together, recognizing those, and then it kind of works together and we can share, we can learn and we can do things more effectively, more efficiently. But then also that social element too is so important as we bring that all together. And I think for me thinking about data and, and AI, we can't forget those human elements, right? When we're dealing with that type of thing too. I think, yeah, sometimes we can when we're just talking about all these things that are happening or whatever, but really bring it back to the humans.
0: I think so too. And I think every sort of decision you take in that area needs a needs sort of interdisciplinary teams because uh so the main problem if we dive into ethics or data you know the main problems our main problem we have is that ai is mostly trained on biased data sets right so the problem is that the data sets are trained on for instance like uh, computer vision data sets uh, so if you want to identify faces they're mostly trained on white men so uh or if you have data sets for of people walking it's mostly from airports watching businessmen going on business trips so it's a very certain demographic and the problem is that that's ingrained and burned and, and really put into the systems and these systems that are created there has to be more diversity in the background monitoring that you know but it's so because it's so expensive to create these data sets. It's uh, people, there's not like a third party who's uh who's monitoring it or, or creating new data sets. So I think there needs to be a little more political regulation and uh there needs to be needs to be initiatives really taking care of that in the end.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I've just done a master's of data science and it was something that I was really, I guess passionate about isn't the word, but like really interested in looking at. And then thinking about these things, even, you know, some of the the code I was doing or the models I was creating or whatever, again, you know, assignment level kind of stuff. So it wasn't really going anywhere, you know, too far. But thinking about like even my bias that I'm putting into this, who's going to say whether that's right or wrong, or that has there been multiple checks on who's inputting into this and what data I've been using and what things are missing from that data. And do I have to then provide caveats of how my program has been trained and all that type of thing as well. Something that I think we'll see a significant rise in the next few years. I guess, like, have you seen anything that's other than the work that you're doing, but like people moving towards more of that, I guess, regulation of data sets and and things that are being put into these models?
0: From a regulatory perspective, I haven't seen much. I mean, I know in the EU, you know, we soon have the data, uh, the AI Act, so AI itself will be monitored better or more classified into various levels of danger, I I suppose, or classes. But that's not really helping the data sets, no. But what I see more and more is just like what we do at Axolo that people create their own data sets. So we did some synthetic data, but we also did like just plain, you know, like creating plain data sets for our models to train. So we did voice data a lot uh, where, you know, we recorded so many hours. We had people sitting in our little studio here and for each person had to record 24 hours straight of voice data. So we had to, in our office, we covered all the walls and foam. We had all the pillows in there. We hung up jackets to have the perfect recording environment. And then people had to speak and speak and speak for hours and hours and hours. So we have a certain phonetic diversity and richness. And we wanted to make sure that We cover all aspects, you know, and cover all kinds of, let's say, voices. And the same would apply to imagery, computer vision data, and NLP. But the problem is that a lot of times it becomes a black box. So you can't do like any reverse engineering and you just don't know what's in there. And that's where you encounter these like heavy biases and where sometimes systems go out of control. But again, you can build on filters, you can build on measures, so it doesn't happen. And that's what we did. But uh, a lot of times, you know, in 2016, there was a chatbot going insane. So you have to just make sure that that, that doesn't happen. And I think we are, we are all going in the right direction, you know, because also because synthetic data becomes more and more accessible. And so the further we develop, the better data sets will get, I think, because now people are aware and it becomes an interdisciplinary event,
1: Just for people in the audience who don't know, can you explain synthetic data in a bit of a 101?
0: Yeah, there are certain, let's call them systems or programs, where you can generate, let's say, a picture of an apple, right? So you tell the system to create a picture of a shiny red apple, and then you receive that picture versus you having to take the picture yourself. So you already have two pictures of an apple and help the system or the algorithm to detect you know, oh, there's a little stem. There's a patch of red. There's a patch of green. It's shiny. It's round, but not perfectly round. And so you help it uh, identify the object just by having like one synthetic image and one natural image. Very basic. I'm sorry if that's not
1: enough. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. Um, I just because some people may have never heard that term before, but it's like we can create data sets with smaller, you know, rather than having to go take a hundred pictures of apples to feed in, we can create other. You know, we can create apples out of the original data that we have so we can get bigger data sets to, you know, to train machines or whatever the case is without having to go and take a hundred photos of different apples, right? Right. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Tell us about your company and how you came to be and what you do. So we do
0: initially or originally, or we still are um, a very heavy deep tech company. We're not big. We're a startup. We have about 40, a little more over 40 people on the team. And we just launched our first product, it's called Vime, V-I-M-E, and we do one-click e-commerce product videos. So you could just put in your URL and you receive a product video with a real human talking about the product, with imagery of the product, with everything, you know, all the information about the product. It just comes back as an MP4. And again, you just put in the URL and then you have an MP4, which really helps for anyone working in e-commerce because uh, product videos have such a high, convert much better. They have a much higher conversion than images. And the pain point for most e-commerce, for most sellers is that creating content and creating videos is very expensive. So with us, you know, it costs, it costs a few dollars to receive such an MP4. And... That product looks like on the surface, it looks very, you know, very non AI and very easy. But the key component in it is this avatar, which is uh, like a human, looks like a human, almost indistinguishable from reality. And the human is sort of generated by us, right? So we filmed a, a bunch of people and digitized their faces and digitized their voice. So with perfect lip sync, the avatar says anything we tell it to. So through that, when you click hit that button, generate video, you know, in the background, we look at all we, we gather all the information about the product, we gather the reviews of the product, and also we generate a text for the avatar to speak. So the avatar stands as like, well, you know, try out the latest toothbrush and it has the best bristles you can imagine, and biodegrad or you know, like super eco-friendly plastic and all this is, is generated automatically and the avatar is saying this automatically. And I think in about four to six weeks, we'll release another version where you can choose sort of any nationality. You can choose uh, between 60 or 80 different languages and the avatar can say it all and you can target any market you like. And so as an as a e-commerce company, it's very important that you have that sort of level of detail and individualizing and targeting and so forth. So, you know, you can say, you can basically target your customers in China with a Chinese looking person or Chinese looking avatar and speaking Chinese. And at the click of a button, you can have the same thing with somebody targeting Northern Europe, South America, like all totally automized. So that's what we do. So the background again, like generating these uh, avatars, building the avatars and the languages and everything, that's very complex especially having perfect lip sync, you know, in all languages, but at the forefront, it looks simple. It looks just like a basic product video. That's what we do.
1: Yeah. And I guess, like you said, it's helping maybe small businesses access something that would normally be quite expensive to be able to film that and all that type of stuff and target your audience. And then to be able to sell, I guess, more products and reach that audience that you want to, that you want to reach. Right. Yes, very true. Also, I mean, we have a, a bunch of other
0: use cases as well because we can do automated dubbing. So if you if you send me a video with yourself in English, we should try that out, by the way.
1: Let's do it.
0: And uh, if you send me a video of, uh, and, and you say, hey, I would like to have the same thing in Spanish, you would just upload it on our platform and you would hit generate. And five minutes later, you get yourself speaking with perfect lip sync Spanish. So. It's very interesting. And we are talking to a bunch of news anchors and yeah, especially in the news, you know, in the like journalists who also want to sort of want to combat fake news. So they would like to translate themselves into all languages to just get the word out there to make sure that they're not misunderstood or misrepresented. So it does have a lot of other use cases, really.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I guess like, When we're talking about AI and ethics and things, obviously there's so much in that, particularly when you're looking at the world of deep fakes and even shallow fakes um, these days and that type of thing. What kind of, I guess, drew you to have this kind of business that can potentially, you know, you're diving really deep into this kind of technology that could be used for something quite, quite bad. And then I guess bring that into something that raises awareness of ethics and all that type of stuff as well.
0: Yeah. So the first question, like the yes, the technology is does can potentially do harm, but I mean it has existed for a long time. You know, it's not we're like we're definitely not the first ones doing deepfakes. And it's not really a deep fake because we do it with us, it's real time at an instant. And with a deep fake, you usually have somebody else looking similar underneath it. You know, you'd sort of project the face over, and ours is is at an instant. Of course, you need to market, you know, like to label it, that it's not the real person. That's what the AI Act in Europe is currently doing, that you have to label and be transparent, which we are and which we will be. But I believe that that's just the development of tech. And that's where it's going. And in general, synthetic media is the future because people are, not everybody's able to spend that kind of money on media and has a massive media budget and wants to generate or wants to spend you know, create this much content themselves, but they all need the content. So synthetic media and like virtual influencers and, you know, little Michaela, like that's sort of the future because this like nonstop content generation is just tiring for most people. And what drew me to it was not, I didn't wake up all of a sudden and we had this idea. My co-founder wanted to sort of virtualize his dad who was dying and he wanted to sort of preserve the idea of him for his daughter. It never got to that point, but that's how it sort of started. And my mom recently died as well. And I wanted to have virtualized myself for her to have me on an iPad, sort of while she was lying in the hospital to interact with, you know, to sort of like have me talking to her and for her to feel less lonely. So we both had these like personal reasons why we wanted, or where we saw like a use case sort of, you know, where we saw this is like, this is not all evil. This is not just like a deep fake, but, you know, maybe people can actually benefit from it. And maybe there is a case and also a social, you know, with the social aspect, but for the moment, you know, we need to commercialize the technology. And that's why we launched this product Vime, because we think it's a, it's a very, very valid use case and very helpful for everybody who's not the biggest player in e-commerce. So and it's big. I mean, the e-commerce market and and also it's not just e-commerce, but also any marketing and anybody really wanting to create content, it's huge, you know? And that's how how we started really. And so that's how it slowly evolved. It wasn't like a spontaneous thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, thanks so much for sharing that and, and sharing those personal stories as well. Because I do also think like I was talking to a lady about uh like meditation like a basically use case for her, it was like a meditation, immersive meditation, that's the word. Uh, I was a VR thing, but yeah, in in like hospitals for people that can't go outside and and things like that. So it's like, you know, we might say, oh, well, you should just go outside, but not everyone could do that. And so I think about something similar where you're in a circumstance where, yeah, you might be lonely and, and you want to have your daughter talking to you. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful use case to be able to then, I guess give people the best the best outcomes socially, whatever their circumstances may be. Yeah.
0: Also, that's why we are working we are working on a product like that where you can have a real two way communication. And at the moment, we st- there's still some latency, so we still have like a second latency between that communication, and sometimes it's also difficult to understand like. For the system to understand every, every word and every voice, every accent, every dialogue, like even in English, you know, there's a multitude of different accents. So for an AI to understand everything is, is a process. But we are working on that at the moment. And I was also looking into creating a product for that exact case. So it, it alleviates the care work. If you just think of somebody virtualizing, imagine I had virtualized myself and my mom really would have had me on an iPad. And could have had a real two-way communication or conversation. It would have stimulated her, like uh, cognitive, or it would have improved her cognitive abilities. You know, it's proven that communication, no matter where and how, improves cognitive skills. It also would have alleviated a little bit of the guilt, the caretaker guilt I felt, because I was taking care of her for almost ten years, and in the past four years, it was very, yeah, very heavy, sort of. You know, and in general 80 billion hours a year are caretaker work unpaid caretaker work mostly done by women of course and so if you can alleviate that just by t- by by like 0.01% you know so you give these people like half an hour a day or an hour a day of spare time then i think that would that would satisfy me on a personal level and i think that would really do good you know so that's why i mean that's Again, that's just one case we're working on, but that's what sort of digital people and digital humans or virtual humans can do. It's not just, you know, people always focus so much on the deep fake and, and all like the bad that can happen and fake news and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I think that there's much more positive thing or many more positive things you can do. And it can have a societal impact of a big scale, like, of a, like a huge impact, like with everything you can do. Also, like, you know, that people with like anybody who doesn't have the cognitive skills to constantly there, I mean, the people with autism, people with like cognitive impairments, imagine you can give those an iPad and, and they can practice their skills and then have a real time, like a real feedback. And with somebody they know, you know, because we have virtualized the face before. So I do believe that there's a, there's a big future for that. It's just synthetic medium, basically
1: yeah no i I think it's really interesting and like you said things are already kind of moving this way and so how do we i guess get involved to shape it to the way that you know we want it to look for the most positive impact for society i think is really important and then getting as many people involved to you know ask those hard questions and then you know come up with those solutions and design it with the community in mind and and have them at the center because i think like you said a lot of time ai is in the black box but if we continue to get people talking about it more, open up that transparency, and I guess just really shift this conversation to not be one that's just had in the tech, the tech sphere, but actually in that community setting as well, I think is really important and really key. And sharing those personal stories as well.
0: Yeah. I feel like sometimes AI gets a little bit of a bad rap, which is totally unjustified. You know, even your spam filter has ai in it i mean that's the basis of it <laughs> that's the most basic function and everybody uses it you know nobody thinks about it twice thinks about it twice and at the same time ai is also not going to take over the world tomorrow you know my little like vacuum robot at home doesn't understand what a table leg is I think we're very far away from the machines taking over until my AI robot <laughs> can, can do his job properly. You know, we should just, I mean, the systems are always also just as good as the people behind the systems. I personally don't believe that any sentient or like AI is going to wake up anytime soon and have a consciousness. It's, it's the algorithms, the systems, it's like a function, you know, what the humans put in there. And the decisions they took and what they interpreted it and that's how it's then going to run but a lot of useful very useful stuff is, has been built with it and it has definitely its limits though
1: yeah no I, I totally agree i think there's so many um again so many use cases like even saying ai is just like you know there's so many applications there's so many different things that it's being used for right now and we're using using it now but i do think that If we can talk about it more and then people can ask the questions and we can answer some of those as well, because, yeah, I I do agree. I think everyone's just like, oh, you know, they think AI, Terminator. It's like when I say it's like smart cities, we're like, oh, the Jetsons. And I'm like, well, do do we really want to live in a world that looks like that? No, let's get involved and actually shape what we want it to look like, right? And I think that's one of the key things that we – it's not this tech stuff or smart stuff over here. It's actually, well, how do we get the most benefits by – I guess, integrating that within our community and asking those questions, because it can't just be one or the other. It has to be both. We're living in this world that you can't just, you know, separate everything out as well. So I totally agree. I think there's like so many different applications and and things like you said, we're using right now.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, when you say smart cities, you know, like the, we're just too many humans, you know, we have to find, we have to find a solution to, to basically live on this planet together. and. I think the solution will only be be tech, you know, for climate, I think the only solution will be of technological nature. There's no way we'll be able to limit our consumption and everything while we are growing as a population. I believe that, you know, so I think in smart cities, like just for instance, just if you, if people agreed on a smart way of uh, sharing vehicles, I mean, at least, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in Germany. I think it's something outrageous, like 90% of all cars are parked for the entire, like the entire day, like on average, they use for two or three kilometers a day. So that's, it's so ridiculous. So as a smart city, there should be like a a very, like a good car sharing system powered by AI or like a ride sharing with good algorithms in the bag, predicting where you need to go. I mean, then again agriculture ai agriculture tech powered by ai knowing like you know it's raining what can we do for the plants i mean there's so much so to basically improve the community to improve how humans live with each other to have smart buildings like alternative energy is powered by ai solar panels power like there's so much you can do really so i really hope that people and
1: uh, the community see the potential it has
0: to bring to the table really
1: yeah, because we have to use our resources more efficiently and much more efficiently than we are now and then probably much more efficiently than we can even imagine in the future as well because otherwise yeah we're we're living on this planet we've got this one planet we're all connected globally as we've worked out in the last kind of few years but we need to be able to use technology and data to make those decisions better and to make those decisions, I guess, better in the sense of using our resources more effectively, more efficiently, because otherwise, yeah, we're not going to be able to keep sustaining the way that we're doing it, right? Right. Yeah.
0: And again, in every aspect of life, in healthcare and education and on the workforce, uh, transportation, just infrastructure in general, every aspect of life can be really improved by, like you say, working on the data and having these like effects it has when you work together so it's
1: yeah it's but it's a question of time i think yeah so let's zoom to the future now what are the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough from my point of view
0: synthetic media of course
1: (laughs) we've been talking about it
0: now yeah there's not that much to talk about though but like we are working on a platform to synthesize actors so to create to digitize people, right? So you sit just in front of your screen, in front of your webcam for half an hour and provide us half an hour of video material. Then you provide us like half an hour of voice material. And there you have your app, you know, then you receive your avatar. And with that avatar, like, I think these people will replace just actors and models. And I also believe like on on these traditional big e-commerce platforms, That uh, models will be replaced by avatars because, again, you know, it's too costly to create this like fast-paced content for these super fast-paced industries. So I think that's that's a trend that people aren't quite aware
1: of, but will be soon. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I guess the human being, the I don't know, the barrier, the factor. Does that mean we're just gonna get like more and more stuff pumping into our faces? I guess <laughs> that's the content. Yeah,
0: I, I'm i not sure. I think it's going to be highly personalized. You know, the trend is going to like hyper-personalized, hyper-targeted ads, hyper-targeted product videos. So you might end up in, in a few years, you might end up seeing product videos and ads with somebody who just looks like you and speaks like you, not quite, but like maybe somebody who looks similar to you because you know that humans decide usually, I mean, humans decide in under, in I think 50 milliseconds, Before they even decide on the content or the product, they decide whether they like the design or the person. So when you see somebody who looks like you and speaks like you, you immediately like it much better than if it's somebody else.
1: Mm. And I guess like using all of that, all the data that we put out there, right? You can do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it gets more, it is more and more restricted and depends where you are in the world. With GDPR, it's definitely different than in the US, than in Asia, but that's definitely the trend. It's the hyper-targeting is definitely the, at least in commerce, that's where it's going.
1: Mm. Mm. Anyway, Elizabeth, it's been so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I found the chat really interesting. I mean, I did get some, I was thinking, where have I heard something like this before? And I think it was on a Black Mirror episode Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, okay. So it was like, okay, well, what do we do to make sure that we don't get the negative impact, but we can get the positive impact of all of that as well. So I really appreciate you talking through some of those use cases and examples, and I guess having that conversation about ethics and, and AI, I think that's really important. And I guess continuing this conversation as well will be key.
0: Yeah. Let's see where things are going, you know, and let's shape them while we're at it.
1: Yes. One last question. Uh, how can people connect with you?
0: Uh, through LinkedIn. Through LinkedIn is the best thing. So, my LinkedIn URL is uh, LinkedIn slash Liz Laurange. So, L I S L O R A N G E. Liz
1: Laurange. Excellent. Laurange is, yes, how we would say it. I know. You guys would say Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again for coming onto the pod. We'll put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and find you. You know, it's given me lots of things to think about. So, yeah, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. The Smart Community Podcast is brought to you by My Smart Community. If you're trying to deal with disruption, not sure what technologies to buy, need to facilitate genuine collaboration, then we can help email hello at mysmart.community or head to www.mysmart.community forward slash consulting. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two m's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.